Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. In today's episode, I'm speaking to a fellow Dubai resident, Leonie Pitts. Leonie is mum to two girls, B5 and Dottie 1. This is part two of Leonie's story as she tells us she is finally pregnant after so many years of trying to conceive. If you're just joining us now, make sure you stop here and go back an episode so you don't miss part one of her journey. So I had had that in my mind, but then when it came to it and her being with us, you're just living in the moment yeah. and loving it all. Well, yeah, and just being mum. Yeah, not wanting to... Well, I didn't know how much she'd understand and... But so anyway, we had this meeting and I said, but I don't really know how to bring it up. Like, how do you even start that conversation? And she suggested making an observation. And in the end, that's what I did. So it was, I can't remember exactly what it was that she did, but it was something like, oh, you ran very fast then. I wonder if your birth mother runs fast. And then I was crying and trying not to. But I'm like, okay, now I've said something. So the, the words started, are there. Yeah. yeah. And after that, the questions just kept coming, basically. So we didn't have to do very much to get her but curious. But it's still huge, though. Like, the concept of birth, even for a two-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, well, she didn't know what it was, obviously. I mean, actually, it's quite funny because she still gets confused. So we were home, uh, was it last Christmas? Or anyway, we were home at some point. And Bee's just chatting away to my sister. She said, oh, yeah, no, we're going up to London tomorrow. We're going to see my birth mother. But I wasn't there and I didn't hear the conversation. <laughs> and the next day I was talking to my sister. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah, no, we're going to go and see Lucy. And I, I don't remember how we put two and two together, but Lucy is my best friend who's Bee's godmother. Oh, I and Bee gets confused yeah, between yeah, the two. And my yeah. sister was like... Right, I thought there was something you just hadn't said. I didn't know if you were actually going to see someone. I'm like, no, she. So she, B says she's got like six mothers. Well, she doesn't. She has her mother, her birth mother, and she's got two godmothers, three godmothers now. Um, her godfather passed away, so she's kind of gained another godmother. But yeah, so she just sees us all as mothers, which is kind this of sweet, is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Although she does ask to see her. Her birth mother. She does ask lots of different things. The statue behind you, that's who I see as her birth mother. That's from Ethiopia. We bought it. It was our, when we were going through the process, uh, it was our, God, I can't remember how many years was that? 2016. So five year wedding anniversary, which is wood. Yes. So that was one of our gifts. We like bought joint gifts. And that was my like, Ethiopian woman wooden statue. <laughs> yeah, so she's she's the mother that's with us, even though she's not really. So she can still ask you a question now. Oh yeah, although nothing recently, apart from she wants to go to Ethiopia. That tends to be the most. And will you take her? Common one. Oh, I'd love to take her. I wanted to take her, and then I got pregnant. But 
now Dottie's like toddling and crawling and eating everything. No, Ethiopia is not the safest no, place. No. And then there's COVID on top of everything. Yeah. So sadly, I don't really know when it's going to happen. But yeah, I'd love to take her. Partly because she doesn't ask so much anymore. But when she was younger, she always used to ask, can I see Baby B videos? I want to watch Baby B. And all these videos from all of our visits, she would watch them through. And each video is a little montage of several days of videos of our highlights. So it's all the best bits. Mm -hmm. And then over the top, there's a really happy song. And so in her head, like there was one time she just saw a video. She's like, but where's the music? But there was no, the music wasn't there. It was, so she has it up on a pedestal in her mind. And I... I just don't want her to go and be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. So I'd rather that we went sooner rather than later so it doesn't build in her head as such a big... And Not I... that it isn't a special place. There's a lot of amazing things in Ethiopia and we totally fell in love with it. When we were waiting, I mean, that's a benefit of how long it took us to bring her home. We actually did a two-week two week tour where we went to various different cities and we trekked for three days in the middle oh, of nice. nowhere and it was incredible. And we wouldn't have been able to do that if we'd had a quick adoption. So I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But um, Would you take her back to the orphanage? Or could you take her back to the there? orphanage? isn't there anymore. So no. I'm still in touch with a couple of people who were working there. <coughs> or one in particular who was like the admin uh, lady. But... Okay. Sorry, did I? <laughs> um, but yeah, so... No, there's not that to see. So actually, there's not a lot that we could take her to see, but we'd like her to see the country, yeah, definitely. for sure, for sure. It's yeah. so diverse as well, isn't it? It is. It's an amazing place. So then tell me about little Dottie. Well, biggest surprise in my life. <laughs> so how old is B at this point? Um, I have to rewind. So... Three, I'm guessing. 2018, yeah, three. So we, we'd actually, um, I'm trying to remember when the Ethiopian adoptions closed. Was it earlier that year or maybe even the year before? Anyway, there'd been talk about Ethiopian adoptions closing for a long time. And I'm one of four, Lucas is one of five. And despite going through the IVF and saying all you want is a child, I never wanted to have an only child in my ideal world. I would have taken an only child because she was amazing but we always wanted her to have a sibling and when the Ethiopian adoptions closed I kind of had a mourning period I suppose where I saw that as the end of our possibility because there aren't very many places that you can adopt from here we we really wanted to I don't know go somewhere that we knew and loved Mm -hmm. and um you know, not just any old country, I had a connection with. And then after a period of time and a lot of discussion, we looked at other options and I joined a Sierra Leone Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I spoke to some people here, someone um, who I'm friends with now who adopted from Congo um, and looked at other options. And then we contacted our social worker and we said we wanted to start process to adopt a second time and that means you need to do all the sessions again all over again all over again oh wow um partly because there's different aspects to cover like 
bringing a sibling yeah. into the yeah. you're not group the, you're not the same unit you were before no. and all of the conversations that come from the existing child surrounding adoption because they're seeing it firsthand happening um so there's lots of other things to cover it wouldn't have been the same mm-hmm. sessions uh so we set that in the diary for the October end of October we were supposed to be doing that um, and then Lucas's best friend had been very sick for a long time and he died in October and it just wasn't the right time to do any of that there was a lot of things going on and adoption we knew was a very emotional draining and potentially long-winded situation and with Sierra Leone being what we were going to go for there's it's not the same as Ethiopia. It's like 24 hours journey to get there from here. Um, it just, there was a lot of unknowns and it just wasn't the right time. So we said to Selena that we wanted to cancel those. And then I can't remember exactly the dates, but basically a couple of weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant. And uh, Sorry, I've got a big grin on my face. <laughs> And it was just disbelief. It's funny because when I first... So so what happened? You missed a period, presumably? No. Um, no, I didn't even notice that. I did, by this point, I was beyond... Like, we'd had B for two years. I hadn't, hadn't even been on my mind. I don't, I don't yeah. track my periods or anything. They come, they go, like, whatever. Um, I never thought about it. And then it was one day... One day I woke up and I was crying. I've always had really vivid dreams, but this was like particularly vivid. And I messaged my sister saying that I dreamt that I was pregnant. No, you're kidding me. And I woke up really sad because I knew that it wasn't going to happen. That's not true. But it's the first time in like two and a half years that I had even thought about, like I hadn't thought about being pregnant. We were going to do the adoption stuff and... And it was really bizarre because I remember how upset I felt. But I think I was upset in the dream and then I woke up and was like, oh, so maybe I want to be pregnant. And then, um, and then it was a couple of days. And then I looked at my phone and was like, oh, I'm due on like tomorrow. Maybe it's just some like weird hormone yeah. thing. Like that's crazy. How funny. And didn't, I wasn't emotional about it. I was just emotional in the dream. And then a couple of days went past and it still hadn't come and I'm messaging my sister being like this is weird she's like maybe but I was always I never really believed those magical stories like people say all these things something something that happens to somebody else yeah well and also when we first brought Brie brought Bee home people with the best intentions would say oh no you're going to get pregnant and it really pissed me off because I'm like you saying that just makes her seem less yeah of a daughter and yeah. she isn't and that's not what they meant but that's just how it felt and actually statistically they said this to us when we were doing our compulsory sessions before the adoption is that what would happen if you got pregnant during the adoption process would you still go through with the adoption because yeah. it happens and Lucas and I just looked at each other and smiled as if like well that's never going to happen but Lucas's reply was well that would be a very classy problem to have <laughs> And that was the last that we thought about it. But then we came home and this girl who I'd met at that first ASG meeting, if anybody remembers, who was in the floods of tears because yeah, she yeah. had her match, 
she got pregnant uh, a couple of years after bringing Leo home. And she was this like magical unicorn at the ASG Christmas get-togethers and the parties and everything because she ended up with this miracle baby that she'd, I think she'd had IVF and anyway, either way, they'd had infertility problems and they'd adopted and then they'd ended up with a baby. But she was always the anomaly. But then people say, I did read that, um, I don't know, a certain percentage of people get pregnant within the first 18 months of bringing their adopted child home. But after that, so I, in the back of my mind, around 18 months, I was like, well, that's kind of funny that it was even a So you held it, it's still held there, though? It was a little bit. I don't think you ever forget, really. But I had definitely forgotten by the time this all happened. So then my period was a couple of days late. Then uh, on the Thursday, I went and did boot camp with my friend who's a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And we just do it in the park with a few other mums who are all friends. And I can't remember what we were doing, but we were doing some certain exercise. And I was really fit at this point. I'd been training really hard because it had been my sister's wedding in the September and I wanted to look really good. Um, and probably the best shape I've ever been in in my life before pregnancy. Then, <laughs> but doing this workout and suddenly I felt really dizzy and sick. And I kind of paused and I had to stop and kind of put my head between my knees. And as I was doing that, I thought, oh, that's funny. I haven't felt like that since I was secretly doing my IVF, but still training with Nikki, but not telling her and trying to keep it yeah. a secret. Um, like, oh, how weird. But I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> and then the next day was a Friday and I was reading B, a story on the sofa. Don't forget the bacon, it's called. And it's about this boy and he goes to the shop and he forgets everything, but don't forget the bacon. And I was reading it and there's like eggs and... I mean, there's not a lot of food items, but I had to run and nearly... I didn't actually throw up, but I thought I was going to throw up. How funny. And I was like, whoa, hang on a second. And that's when I first thought, God, maybe. Can you imagine? Well, that's crazy. And that was the Friday morning, but we had a lazy weekend. I didn't say anything to You didn't to, say anything to Lucas? Didn't say anything <gasps> to Lucas. Was it, was because, it, were you still thinking about it all weekend? Oh, yeah, all weekend I was thinking about it. you didn't it. say anything? No. Well, because... I didn't want to get anybody's hopes up. And I didn't want to... I, to be honest, I didn't really know how I felt about it, even. Not that I didn't want a baby, and I, it's not that I didn't want to be pregnant, but I just didn't believe... I'd spent so long... You didn't believe you could be the unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> I'd spent so long telling myself that the reason I couldn't get pregnant was so that we could meet B. And then to be able to get pregnant as well just felt like it, it stopped everything else making sense. So I just didn't really... Uh, it was just... I mean, by this point, it had been like seven years since we started trying. Wow. So I just didn't... I just didn't believe it. So then we went through the weekend. I didn't really sleep very much because I'm thinking about it the whole time. Then Sunday, Lucas went off to work. B went off to school. And I had Pilates and I was like, do I get a test before Pilates or do I wait till after? But I was like, but you no, still haven't mentioned it. No. Nope. So I go to the Pilates class and then I went straight to Waitrose in Marina Mall and I got every pregnancy test they had. There's four different ones. And I bought one of each. And I bumped into someone I knew just as I'm walking out with my little bag. And you know those bags and boots so see-through as well. And I'm like, oh like yeah. a teenager um and then I came home 
Yeah, and I peed on the stick, and it was the digital clear blue one that I peed on first, and it's... Let's go for the most expensive first. Yeah, well, I thought, <laughs> I want to get the most, you know, accurate result. Um, and it comes up with the, the how many weeks, but it came up with pregnant, and I... I was certain that that was going to disappear. I thought it was a mistake. So I took a picture before it even said how many weeks because I thought I've got to prove that it did say pregnant at one point. Because despite all of our IVF and all of our trying and all of everything, I'd never had a positive pregnancy test ever. Which is another thing, I think, because I have so many friends. You meet a lot of people on the journey. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of friends who have been through a lot of miscarriages Mm -hmm. and I never had and or never knowingly anyway maybe early ones but I don't even think I did and uh and so I think in the back of my mind I was thinking well maybe this is my miscarriage because it's less taboo to talk about it now so you know that lots of people have miscarriages and yeah I guess I just kind of thought that I don't know I don't really know what I thought but yeah so and then periodically through the day that was at about 11 o'clock, 11.18 actually, because I took a picture and it says the time. And then every couple of hours... I just how precise you are with everything. It's because it's, it's just all so memorable. And then every couple of hours I took another test and like laughed. I went through a lot of emotions. Crying wasn't the first thing oh, that I did. At what point had you told... Did you tell, say anything to Lucas? No, so I waited till Lucas came home Ooh, from work. Of course, I don't know how you did that. That's yeah, incredible. so I got a little box... And I put all of the really gross pregnancy tests in. But you must have had to wait till B was asleep as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like so the he longest day in the whole world. Was and it actually like that afternoon to come back for B's well, picture? That afternoon we went to a play date at my best friend's house. And I didn't say anything. And the whole time I'm like, God. And it was because it was her son's birthday, her eldest son's birthday. And she, as everybody has that story when they've been through infertility, she got pregnant just as we were getting emotional about not getting pregnant and she like went through it all and I was just jealous happy for her but mostly jealous for me um but anyway he it was his birthday the day that I found out I was pregnant and we spent all afternoon there and I just felt like well I couldn't think about anything else so I probably didn't say very much but she had no idea um yeah and then I waited to the evening and I got a box and I I love to write and I probably go on quite a bit like I do on my Instagram and so I did this whole emotional spiel on it I've still got it upstairs I don't think he kept it I kept it (laughs) (laughs) a long note about like our journey and everything and then you had to turn it over and it said I'm pregnant it only took us seven years and then there's a little sesame seed taped to the card because that's how big the baby was and the due date at that time which actually moved several times during the pregnancy but 15th of July yeah Uh, and then yeah and then the test so he came home from work gosh I hope he hadn't had a hard day we went to dinner and stuff and I remember I was no I was making dinner and he was sat there on his phone and I said something along the lines of uh let me know when you've got a moment to have like a proper conversation because you're clearly in the middle of stuff. He was like, oh, no, we can talk now. I'm like, no, because I want to, like, I want your full concentration. I don't want to. He's like, well, we can do it now. I'm like, okay. So we came and we sat exactly here where you and I am now. He was sat where you are and I was sat here and I gave him this box. 
And I watched his face and I was waiting and I was waiting. And I burst out laughing. <laughs> You're not meant to laugh. You're meant to cry. This is amazing. And then I can't remember what his first words were. Something about, oh, well, that'll... I don't know, it was something really flippant. And I was really annoyed because I'm like, this is... Do you under... But then I suppose by that point, I'd had several days... I mean, I hadn't really believed it until that morning, but at least several hours to take it in. Whereas for him, it was... Oh, yeah, it was something about not having to do the adoption. That was what he said. <laughs> well, we don't need to do that adoption thing anyway. Well, yeah, but... Yep. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Crazy to think about it all. And... And then it was a horrendous pregnancy, except that it wasn't. It wasn't a horrendous pregnancy. But as you said before we started chatting on record, it's just different. When you've been through all of that, I mean, I've never had the easy pregnancy where you just accidentally get pregnant or you just choose to get pregnant and then it happens that month or any of that. So I don't know how that actually feels. So I can't genuinely compare. But I feel like all of what we had been through massively affected my pregnancy journey and partly possibly because I had all this expectation and years of imagining how it would be and it was never going to live up to that Mm -hmm. but also just this fear because I didn't believe it so I mean one of the benefits of Dubai although some senses I don't see it as benefit but we had a lot of scans so that's reassuring in some senses but equally, but you've got scanxiety as well. Yeah, massively. And every time we went, because the scans were so close together, it's like, oh, well, what's that? And then it's you have another test to check if that's a problem. And I feel like I had every test under the sun. I don't know if it's just because my insurance was really good. That's what Lucas used to cynically say. But, you know, they're trying to get all the tests out of us that they could. But equally, I did feel very looked after. And my doctor is the same gynecologist I've had ever since we moved here. So she's known us for a long time. And she did treat it as a very precious pregnancy. And I'm glad that she did. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Dottie did actually... She didn't grow very much in the last bit. And they ended up having to induce me. And at the time, I was anti-being induced. But I think it was all the right thing to do. Um, But yeah. During the pregnancy, it was just terrifying. I was constantly waiting for something to happen, go wrong. I'm so happy to say that this episode of Motherhood Exposed has been sponsored by my favourite baby shop in Dubai, Eggs and Soldiers, the parenting treasure trove on the ground floor of Times Square Centre and online at eggsandsoldiers.com. Launched in 2014 by lifelong UAE resident and mother of four, Sophie Chabowski, Eggs and Soldiers proudly researches, personally tests and cherry picks eco-aware, sustainable and locally sourced baby essentials and playtime equipment, plus the world's safest and most rigorously tested strollers and car seats. This is where you'll find honest advice about the best purchases for your baby, toddler and family's ever-changing needs, plus tips on what you can definitely do without. Check out eggsandsoldiers.com where you can live chat with the team and order with free speedy delivery throughout the UAE and across the Middle East. Not only that, but the lovely team at Eggs and Soldiers have given all Motherhood Exposed listeners a 10% discount code valid until November the 8th. So for online purchases, use Zoe CM10. Z-O-E-D-M-10. I think that's... I mean, I I don't think, unfortunately, that's unique to you. I think that's something... No, I don't either. Because I think when you... 
it's something I repeatedly say that I really struggled with is the fact that I no longer trusted what my body could do. Exactly. And, um, it just felt like I it had let me down like, in inverted commas so many times that why why now? Why is it going to go through it now? Yeah. And um, yeah, what's different? Yeah, exactly. And then for me, because I was so reliant on medication. And I was terrified of coming off it. And I, my doctor would say, right, time to get rid of that one. I was like, no, 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 let's give it another week. <laughs> sure, we can, because there's something else I can swap it for, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And I think you, you look out for every little twinge going wrong. and um, Massively. And then I did a lot of, I felt nauseous for, I mean, it's all a myth, this first trimester rubbish. It doesn't end well, after just, the first trimester. I think the thing is, it's just, different for everyone isn't it and there's possibly no... but I was like waiting for that 12 weeks partly to tell everybody because then it was real but then also for the nausea and everything to go away and it just didn't and it just went on and it went on did you have it your whole pregnancy thankfully no so that's the thing it wasn't even a bad pregnancy and I threw up only a handful of times but the nausea was morning night evening that's, everything that's crippling though it's for awful. 20 weeks oh wow and it felt like forever. And I just remember crying on the phone to my mum, saying, I just, I just wish that I could enjoy it because I have still, I have so many friends who've never been able to get pregnant, still trying. Some of them have even given up. And, and I've got this precious thing and I'm hating every second of it. And I just want it to be over. I want the baby but I just don't want to be feeling how I feel right now. But I think also because at that point I didn't feel kicks until 19, 20 weeks. So it's, very it's all so abstract. First pregnancy. Yeah, totally. But having not done it, you've no idea, mm-hmm. although you Google everything. But um, it just meant that all the nausea, it was easy to forget what it was for, yeah. What, yeah. The, what the goal was, basically. But you know what? I think it's really good that you, you admit that, that you didn't enjoy it and it wasn't oh, amazing no. because... I think when it is so longed for and sought after, then there's a lot of pressure to to love every second. Yeah. Um, and so for you to be open about that is, I think, is actually a really yeah. Really good I mean, thing. it's hard because I did, I did feel a little bit not well cheated of an enjoyable pregnancy. Although I loved my last trimester, despite how massively puffy my legs were and how hot it was in Dubai because she was a summer baby and all of these other things. The third trimester, I looked pregnant, I felt pregnant, I felt good. She was nearly here. Like, that was the best bit. But I did feel like no one had really been honest with me about pregnancy before. But then when I look back, after all that we'd been through, if anybody had told me that pregnancy was hard, I would have punched them in the face. Mm. So probably... Maybe that's why I never knew the realities. What was it like telling B? Oh, my God, I got it on video. And actually, my one regret further down the line is that I didn't take a video of her and Dottie meeting. We've got photos, but the video of her reaction when we told her that we were pregnant is just amazing. Um, We had all of our family here, unexpectedly, actually, because my sister wasn't supposed to be able to make it because of work, but she could last minute. And she was pregnant and she'd already told me that, but I hadn't told her (laughs) because I didn't believe. (laughs) Oh, no, I did. I did tell her because she wasn't going to be here. Anyway, we had all the family here for Christmas. We spent Christmas Day at my brother's, who's not that far away, um, in DIP. (laughs) And then um, Boxing Day lunch we had here at our house with everybody 
and I had spent weeks plowing it. And I'd got these crackers made, and everybody's name was on each cracker, and I'd set out the places. And of inside, it was absolutely perfectly <laughs> slammed down. Inside, where it had taken seven years, I was going to do it <laughs> damn right. Um, in those seven years, I had so many, I'd looked at so many different pregnancies and how I would announce my pregnancy. But actually, when it came to it, I didn't know how I would do it. But pregnancy, uh, Christmas is one of my favourite times. It's also when we brought Brie home, so yeah, it's particularly it's special. And then Boxing Day, I actually prefer Boxing Day food to Christmas food. So it's like my favourite meal of the year. Anyway, so I'd done these crackers, everybody's name on. I'd bought mini molten brown and there was one in each one. I'd even found the best jokes, per individual <laughs> jokes, chosen them for each family member. And then there was also in there a little uh, pregnancy announcement that had Santa and a stork. And they were exchanging gifts. And I can't remember exactly the wording, but that was our announcement yeah. reveal thing so everybody was here for the whole day all the kids playing in the garden um, you were so good at keeping my mum had already been here for like four days by that and point you told her. no because I wanted the I wanted the big moment yeah no I get that and uh and then but and we hadn't told B but obviously we wanted her to know first but she's four maybe three how old was she at that point? Um, she said she was four. Three. 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 So she's three and a three half. Three and a half, yeah. So we didn't really trust her, but we had to tell her first. So Lucas had been doing cooking and everything. And just before everything was ready, we whisked her upstairs. There's so many people in the house, no one noticed. So we went up to our bedroom and we sat her on the bed. And we this said, is pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. We said, well, me and Daddy got something to tell you. Uh, we're going to have a baby. You're going to be a big sister. And she, like, her jaw dropped. And she's like, oh, are you going to be your big sister? And then she asked if it's in daddy's tummy, which is bizarre because all the times I played it out in my head, I just assumed she'd think adoption, but she didn't. She went to Lucas's tummy and it was like, no, it's in mummy's tummy. And she's asking all these questions. Then we said, but you can't tell anybody, okay? It's all a big secret. And we'll tell you when you can say. She's like, okay. And she's all excited. And she's talked about wanting to be a big sister. Actually... Another really weird thing was her birthday that year. Her birthday wish was that she wanted a baby. But that's like a whole other thing. And that made me cry as well. But anyway, <laughs> so she'd always wanted to be a big sister. And we told her that she would be. And then we come downstairs and it's like, OK, lunchtime. Everybody sit down. And uh, she's sitting there grinning. Like- <laughs> well, the kids table was there in the kitchen. And then we were all here and all the crackers and there's always a debate. I don't know. I mean, it's always chaos when you're a big family and everyone's together. It's like, are we doing crackers before, crackers after? <laughs> no, we're doing crackers before. We've got to do the crackers first. And so we all pull the crackers. And my sister, I'd already told because um, she wasn't supposed to be here for Christmas. So she was going to miss the whole reveal. And she was pregnant as well. And she would told me. So we, she knew. So she was videoing and she was sat in this chair and she's videoing everybody for the reaction and my brother's like, what's she even videoing for? Like, thinking, you know, something crazy. <laughs> what's she crackers. doing? Yeah. Um, and it took forever to anybody to understand what the announcement was. I'd made it too subtle or something. Or my brother was going on about, oh, the molten brown. So how did you get these in there? <laughs> like, did, are these molten brown crackers? Or, I'm like, please, can someone just... And then my sister-in-law starts getting it. Someone's having a baby. And she looks at my sister, you're having a baby. She's like, no, what is the name? Because I'd written Pitts. And then she looks at me and says, you're having a baby. And 
And then I looked at B, who was by my side at that point, and I said, B, and she said, I'm going to be a big sister. And everyone was like, what? Amazing. And then we had a second round where then a couple of minutes later... Oh, because they uh, all thought you were adopting. They thought I was adopting. So my oh, oldest God. brother, I'm like, well, it's 11 weeks, still kind of early days, but I wanted to do it when we were all together. Yeah. My brother was really paranoid because they'd had miscarriages in the past. So he's like, oh, you're telling people to sit. Like, it's not well, quite... There's a big argument about this, I isn't there? Because it's not quite if you lose it, you're going to tell them. I know. So. But so he was worried that we were too excited. But he didn't say that at the time. I found that out subsequently. But anyway, so all the excitement's going on. And then my mum's like, oh, so young. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, I'm pregnant. And then it's like, what? How am I that? And so we like did it all over again. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, and that was, that was that. And then, and actually mum said, (laughs) it's funny because she, I suppose because she was only on the outside of the adoption process. She said she was, from an emotional mother's point of view, like she doesn't live in Dubai, Mm -hmm. she's back in England. From a supporting mum's point of view, she said she would rather that I was, she was hoping for an adoption more than a pregnancy because she felt that I would she I guess she foresaw that I would find pregnancy hard yeah maybe but then she didn't see how hard adopting was in real life she only saw Mm. the cute videos of us visiting so I suppose it's difficult to judge but yeah she she was worried about us being pregnant but there we go now Dottie's here well what happened so how was she how was she born you were induced I was induced, yeah, I didn't want to be. So we did a hypnobirthing course. I was all pro, natural, pro, everything. Um, I'd gained 29 kilos. So I wasn't my healthiest or my fittest or most mobile or anything, but I did as much walking as I could that last couple of weeks. I remember posting that you were walking the malls what, and yeah, things. Totally. And Dubai, actually, it's what, 40, 45, 50 feels like degrees here. Yeah. So it's impossible it to be outside, isn't it? Although actually, I was in the pool um, a Just couple of times. around. <laughs> yeah, because it was nice and cold. And I thought, well, once she's here, I'm not going to be outside. Yeah. So I might as well get some vitamin D. Um, but yeah, so I don't remember why. My fluid was low. Anyway, my doctor thought or predicted that she was going to come early. So from about 37 weeks, I'm like, it's tough oh. then, isn't it? Because then you're yeah. on tender hooks waiting. Um, and then you go in every week for another scan. And she wasn't growing. And I had low fluid. And I can't even remember the other factors. But, but there were various different things. And I pushed back on wanting an early in early induction Mm -hmm. and I said no I want to get to 40 weeks and then and then we kind of went with what she recommended because by that point you're just you just want her here I was scared still that something was going to go wrong um I know you follow Elle on Mm. Instagram who sadly lost her baby a couple of days after he was born Mm -hmm. so you always have that in the back Mm -hmm. of your head I mean there's always stories of the worst possible situation so yeah so she suggested going in on my due date to be induced and by that point I'd already pushed back a couple of times so that's what we did having tried everything else I ate tons of aubergine I aubergine yeah so Jasmine on our hypnobirthing course said that there's this restaurant in New York and they make this something rather parmesan 
and they guarantee that if you're due, you will go into labour in the next... Anyway, I ate it every... Lucas made the massive thing and I ate it every day for, like, I can't really eat aubergines anymore, but... <laughs> It didn't work. No, I mean it was delicious, before. but it didn't work. <laughs> this particular dish, like we got the recipe from the restaurant. Anyway, oh, you did not. Oh. Um, well, of course, you did actually. That was tried all the different things, so went in to be induced. So, which actually, in terms of uh, B, when you've got another child, it is easier when you know what's going to happen. Yeah. So we went in at like ten p.m. and then you check in at twelve, mm. um, and then they gave me the pessary. For anyone not in Dubai, that's for insurance reasons, oh, isn't it? yeah, exactly. So that then you get the maximum number yeah. of days in the hospital. Um, and gave me the pessary and said, kind of see you in the morning. We'll keep checking in on you, um, see how you go. And I had, oh, but then like an hour in or something, everything all goes off because the heart rate's dropped massively to like 80-something or something crazy. And... From then on, they woke me every hour to come and check the um, heart rate and check everything, and I had to move and all of this. So I didn't actually get all that much sleep. But it turns out my doctor came in in the morning and was like, no, the, the midwife has been very careful, but actually I think it just got your heartbeat instead of the baby's yeah. at one point because you'd moved. So it wasn't actually a worry, but at the time you're like, okay, do whatever you need to do. Um, and then you had to sit with that all night. Yeah. pretty terrifying. Yeah, so then in the morning, so I had a few tightenings, but nothing... I didn't feel like there was going to be a big, yeah, you're all dilated by the morning. But a doctor came in at six, checked me, no change. So have another pessary, go for lots of walks, do lots of bouncing, dancing, just get things going. It's like, okay, so we're going to have a baby today. And then we did all of that. And I mean, to be honest, it's all a little bit hazy. I do have it written down, which is just as well, because I don't remember all of it, but basically... Six hours later, they check me, and I've been really quite uncomfortable at this point. I'm thinking something's got to have happened. No, no centimeters. Uh, keep at it. So then they gave me another pessary, and and that's when things got really painful. And I'd had in my head that I wanted to have a water birth, and I kept saying, "When can I get in the? When can I get in the?" Because that's the thing. My ideal would have been to stay at home as long as I could, but because we were being induced, mm-hmm. we were in the hospital. Yeah. From, from the get go. You know, yeah. Um, but you can't get into the you can't get into the water birth room unless you're three centimeters, maybe, or even five. Anyway, I was nowhere near. So, um, and I didn't want like I don't react well to things like I said earlier with alcohol and stuff so I didn't want the gas in there because I thought it would just make me dizzy and sick and so I didn't do that I spent a lot of time in the shower um bouncing on the ball and and just being uncomfortable and Lucas had to push on my back every time I had a contraction but it was so painful I was sure I must be like nine centimeters by the time they came back six hours later but no nothing um so it just went on and on like that and in the end I did, because then I'm like, okay, so forget this no drug business. When can I have drugs? How long do I have to? Well, you can't have an epidural until you're three centimetres. Or what am I? You're one. Well, what? And by this point, it's been, well, just such a long time. Anyway, I ended up getting the epidural in the end. So we checked in at 12. That's when I had my first pessary. Mm -hmm. And 11 something the next night, Mm -hmm. I got the epidural put in. 
And I was exhausted because I felt like I'd been having proper contractions, but I mean, having never felt them, potentially they are a lot worse, but that, that was as much as I could do. They were very anyway. painful. Yeah, very painful. But then, I don't know, it's funny because I had a friend say to me before, who's done both, she's done natural, might as well have been in the woods, had nothing, and one induced. And she said to me before anything, if you have to be induced, just take whatever they'll give you. But if you don't, then you can do it. You can totally do it. And I was like, screw you, I can do it. I can do it. I don't need to be <laughs> drugged up. But turns out she was right for me anyway, for my case. With being induced, the contractors just came too fast, too quick, and they weren't achieving anything. Um, so, yeah, then the epidural, and then I got to sleep. But, again, they woke me every hour so I could turn over. There's one point where it wore off for a bit. But it was dreamy. I just felt like nothing was happening. Especially when you're so exhausted. It's just so incredible. Tired. And then, although I did joke that she just didn't want to be born on the 17th. She wanted to be born on the 18th. So <laughs> then, um, in the end, she was born the next morning at 5.51. So you had the epidural at 11 and she was born at 5? Yeah. 5:50. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. At one centimetre, that's really quick. Oh, no, I was three by that point. But yeah, so the last. Still, yeah, that's... yeah, because that was the other worry. I don't want to have the epidural because so everyone's. More, you didn't have any more drugs, or I mean, um, to make the the labour happen, you just did the rest of it all by yourself. The epidural, and then there was something to make her come down at the end. When I was dilated, they had to do another something. But by that point, I'm like, yeah, and then. And Lucas was basically asleep on the sofa as well. We had to like, <laughs> I'm pushing, by the way, get up. Um, but yeah so I felt the pressure but I, I didn't really feel helpful. I didn't feel any pain it's and like we'd had a whole big where... discussion I mean the best thing about all the hypnobirthing course was that I'd learned a lot and it made me have a massive sit down discussion with my doctor before weeks before saying what I did and didn't want mm-hmm. and one of the things I remember really clearly I said how I didn't want an episiotomy. Or if, if, she need, if she wanted to do one, she should ask me. She said, you know what, at that point, I don't think you're going to want to know. I'll just, if it's really, I'll only, I promise I'll only do it if it's really needed. But if it's needed, I'm just going to do it because you're not going to, you're not going to want to be asked at that point. I promise you. I was like, okay, fine. But uh, Dottie, that last bit, having waited 30 hours, she then shot out all head, shoulders, body, everything all at once. No. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So she didn't get a chance to do that so I had quite bad tears yeah but um but yeah and then she was here she was only six pounds luckily <laughs> so and I remember she had so much hair didn't she, she did lots of hair. Full head of hair and her cord was all tangled up which is what they think is what led to her not really growing in those last few weeks mm-hmm. I had to go in for a CTG every couple of days um but yeah they think it's because of the umbilical cord but yeah was she it- was all healthy and all good and how did it feel meeting her for the first time? Crazy. I mean, I was surprised at how many people there are at that point in the room. I hadn't really thought about it. I only really knew what you see in the movies, a bit like anyone else in adoption. It's that, yeah, how you imagine it to be. But I don't know. I mean, she was on my chest for a long time before because that was one of the things that we stipulated before they did all the weighing and everything. But I just don't... It didn't feel like very long. Um, and there's all these people doing 
everything and the placenta and everything else. But yeah, she was just so little. I don't, uh, I'd met my nephew when he was two days old. So I had seen like brand new babies, actually my friend's baby when he was a couple of days old. But yeah, it's just different when it's coming out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the, I don't know. Being inside to outside is such a bizarre, it takes a while, or at least it did me, to kind of put the two, obviously I knew it to be true, but that she was the one yeah. that had been in there no. all that time. Um, but it was quite nice that she was born in the morning because it meant we had that whole day before we had to worry about a night, which which they said, the first night you'll get loads of sleep, she'll just sleep loads, and then the second night is when it gets mm-hmm. tricky. I'm like, okay, okay. No, we didn't get any sleep that first night, so much so the next morning we discharged ourselves and came home. Oh, really? Yeah. It was horrendous. And when did um, B come and meet her? Uh, yeah, later that day. In the afternoon, Lucas brought her in. Because um, unbelievably, I don't really know how I did it because I was really not in the best condition, but I managed to have a shower and everything before she came in. And she brought, like, every balloon, including a frozen one for herself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, came in and she she was screaming as she came in. She was so excited. And she'd bought a little toy and she'd written a card for Flower, which wasn't her name. (laughs) And she was very upset. (laughs) Um, But she... She'd sung to my bump a lot and she'd always felt like, I mean, she basically acted like the baby was out months before she arrived. She already had a sister in her head. So for her, it seemed a very easy transition. So do you want to hold her? Yeah, of course. I'm a big sister. Of course I can hold her. And then she's holding her and she's singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, (laughs) which is what she did to the bump. And actually it's still one of Dottie's favourite songs. I don't know if she could hear it or what, but. It's quite funny. Yeah, so she was straight in big sister mode. She loved it. And still? Yes, massively still. Although it's funny, on the way home from school today, she she did say to me, sometimes I like to be there by myself with not even anybody, not even Dottie. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know how you feel. <laughs> she said that out of nowhere. It's quite funny. But no, they're totally inseparable. And particularly with lockdown and everything... The first time after lockdown, I took B for a little walk around the block and Dottie screamed the entire time. Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh. She always wants to know where she is. And with B had a play date. I mean, I remember, because I'm a big sister, my, my sister's three years younger than me, always having the tag along. And I used to find her really annoying when we were kids. And it's going to be exactly the same because <laughs> Dottie won't leave her alone, no matter who's over here playing. She wants to be part of the game. Like B's birthday, we had a couple of friends over. And um, Dottie's sitting in the in the little circle for past the parcel. She wants to be part of it, even though she doesn't know what's going on. But yeah, they're totally inseparable. And Dottie's blonde hair, blue eyed. Bee's black. With, she says they're black eyes. They're very dark brown. I don't think anybody has black eyes. Beautiful family, I'd say. Uh, they are very cute together. And I can't stop taking pictures. So I'm way don't. behind on all my photo books because I wanted to document everything. <laughs> I wanted to document it all, but there's like months worth of stuff I haven't done because I just have, I have too many pictures. And by the evening, I'm just 
now Dottie's crawling and walking and yeah, I'm too tired. And what was it like going through the early days with Dottie, like the, the period of, I guess, that you missed with, Newborns with Beatrice? I mean, part of me felt like I've never done the newborn thing. Not properly isn't the word, but never done the newborn thing as a new mum. Because I wasn't a new mum, but I was new to being a newborn Newborn mum. So I've never done the newborn thing before, but I had a four-year-old who wanted in on the action and wanted attention and wanted everything all the time. So um, luckily, it worked out really well. Lucas was changing jobs at the time, so he actually ended up with a good chunk of time off work. Um, because it was summer and B didn't have any school. So he, I ended up missing B quite a lot, actually, because he did a lot of things with her. Mm-hmm. And I was just the cow tethered in the corner, yeah. <laughs> being milked every hour, basically, because Dottie was a hungry baby. Um, and it was pretty constant. And I'd never done breastfeeding before. And that was a whole different, like, oh, a lot harder than anyone ever tells you it's going to be. Um I'd done a breastfeeding course, so I was going to know it. No, not at all. Um, But yeah, it did make me... I missed B because I didn't see her as much Mm because I always got the baby in my arms. Mm -hmm. But equally, it made me very emotional because it made me realise... I don't think until that point I realised how much of B's childhood that I'd missed because we didn't meet her till she was nine months. And actually, I think it hit me even more when Dottie turned nine months. Mm -hmm. And it's like, everything up until now has been a massive bonus. We didn't get any of that. And even now, Dottie's now nearly 14 months. B still wasn't home by now. Wow. So we only got to see her on weekends every couple of weeks. So, yeah, when she hits 16 months, that'll be another emotional milestone. But, yeah, it's all very surreal, to be honest. I still can't believe that I'm the one one that got so lucky to get such a beautiful daughter as B and then to get the bonus the bonus pregnancy baby after. And then that they love each other so much like they're totally obsessed with each other. I'm sure Bertie's the same. Sybil. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just not so much when she's stealing his food and uh, you know. Yeah. Well, Dottie likes to pull hair and B's yeah. got a big afro, yeah. so that doesn't go down well. <laughs> there are definitely moments. No, they're not they're not totally in love all the time, but mostly they're very cute together. And how does it I don't know, to ask this question, how does it feel parenting Beatrice and Dottie? Like how is is it is it different? Is it no, exactly the same? It's basically the same, except for Oh, I don't know. I think every parent gets that second child guilt. So before COVID and everything, mm-hmm. I always felt like I'm just dragging Dottie around to all these extracurricular activities that B's going to and she's coming on the school run and she's going yeah. to do the... So I felt like Dottie was missing out on things. But then equally, we hadn't had that time with B, so that kind of balanced out because she was with us, so at least there was something. Then lockdown happened and everything and I felt like I was missing out on any dedicated time with Dottie because at that time B was supposed to be at school and I was supposed to be at baby classes and all of that I'm sure you understand that Mm -hmm. feeling but actually I didn't get any time with Dottie at all because she was more interested in B than she was in me so although obviously I had to be there for all of it and you're still 
the mother. But yeah, I felt robbed of that when it was supposed to be our special bonus time. But equally, it's brought them so close together. And I'm sure they would have been without it, but I wouldn't have made it through lockdown if they hadn't had each other, I don't think. No, yeah. It was, I've got friends with only children and I just, I don't really know how they survived all those weeks. I would have struggled massively. Um, But yeah, parenting them, well, they're very different kids. And... (laughs) Funnily enough, B's best friend, who came back from Ethiopia at the same time as us, they are best friends, like sisters' best friends, but they are so different from each other. And they were here on the weekend because it was Ethiopian New Year. And I said to her about how naughty Dottie is. And she's truly naughty. She's not a cheeky baby. She's just naughty. (laughs) Um, And she smiled and said, good, because B was so easy and her daughter, who she'd brought home at the same time, was so troublesome. <laughs> and she was having to do all of it. And I was finding it just a joy. And it's not that she didn't. Obviously, she loved being a mum and she'd been through the same infertility and everything else. But more even. But, um, but yeah, now I've got the naughty child and she's very pleased that I've there you go. It's got your, my comeuppance. It's your turn. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, they're very different girls. It's beautiful. So, at the end of my podcast, I like to ask um, a little question. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. So, number one. If you could have a coffee with any woman in the whole world, the fictional, family, famous, who would it be? So, you gave me the heads up about this question. And initially, the first person that popped into my head that brought tears to my eyes was actually my nan who died a few years ago. But when we were in London and we were going through all our infertility stuff and nobody was wanting to give us any help because we hadn't been trying for long enough. And if you haven't tried for long enough, then we can't do anything about it. She was the person I'd talk to every week. I would always talk about it. And she met B, and she loved B, and she died just after B's second birthday. Um, and she never got to meet Dottie. So... That's one person. But then, thinking about it as well, obviously, Bee's birth mother would be amazing. But I don't even know where I'd begin to talk to her. But to be honest, there's probably lots of other people. (laughs) (laughs) But those are the first two. two. special ones to start with. The first two that make me cry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we nearly did it. We nearly got through. <laughs> we nearly got through. I'm surprised I didn't cry until now. <laughs> um, and what have you heard yourself saying oh. that your mum used to say to you? Too many things. It's fine. My sister and I have a back and forth all the time. Like, <laughs> oh God, I said this today. But thinking about it now, off the top of my head, I can't even... I can't even think of a particular phrase but a lot of it tends to be about me being slow or oh, actually children are so slow <laughs> they, yeah i guess get they, a wriggle they, on they tends to be <laughs> or we say wagons roll quite a lot which b finds fascinating she was quizzing me on the meaning of it the other day i think five-year-olds just want to know everything so we had to go into how cars used to be called wagons and we like but that's a, like just a random phrase. Also, the one we had to uh, explain was um, 
Were you born in a barn? Oh, yeah. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Close it all! <laughs> no, it tends to be about being slow or actually one that I'm really guilty of. It may not be exact words, but about how I'm going to sell all of her toys if she doesn't want to play with them. That is a threat that comes out too often lately. I think it's because we've spent so much time in the house. So yeah. to be honest, she's probably over She's got a lot of toys, but she's over it. Um, and I do. Yeah. Particularly with her background makes it even more poignant because I know that she had nothing and all those kids still have nothing and they're absolutely fine and mm-hmm. happy and she has all these things and she won't play with any of them and it drives me crazy <laughs> what shall I do now yeah, go and play with something in your we'll playroom we'll stop buying things for Bertie because uh, he doesn't play he yeah. just doesn't play so we just it's no point <laughs> and at the end of the day you say so we do this thing at the end of the day that a friend it wasn't my idea a friend suggested it or does it with her daughter and I think it must have been during lockdown when it seemed like a good well, you know how kids like to delay bedtime sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this was a way to have a conversation that was a chat to fill that gap. But then there was also a full stop at the end and then it was bed and lights off. So she does this four things and she has cute little names for them all, but I don't remember those. So we just do <laughs> the worst thing of the day, the best thing of the day. You have to praise somebody who did something good in the day and promise something. And at the end of the day, her favourite thing is always playing with Dottie we can do anything amazing and I'll have to remind and she'll say playing with Dottie and I say oh but wasn't it going ice skating oh well yeah that as well but it's always playing with Dottie that's so lovely yeah so nice and what's your best uh, life hack since becoming a mum Oh, you know, I did think of something. I asked this question because I want to steal everyone's ideas, basically. It's totally gone out of my head. I did have something. Mm, Best life hack. Oh, no, that's what it was. So this morning, I followed your lead and I got up really early and I did an exercise class and I was in the best best mood. (laughs) And so my life hack for any mum, although it's not, possible potentially in the first few months but you can do it is to make time for yourself whether that is half an hour to have a really nice slow shower and actually properly wash your hair Mm -hmm. and clean your face and little things like that without shower schizophrenia exactly (laughs) or if it's going for a mani-pedi or going for a gym class or something I I just I remember with B, it was so precious to have her with us that I didn't want to let anybody else have her without me because I didn't want to miss anything else because we'd missed so much already. Mm-hmm. But also, I felt like I needed to be with her all the time. And I just think that you can be a much better mother if you put yourself first sometimes because then you have... The energy and honestly, the appreciation. Because if you spend a bit of time, it's like now, once the kids have been in bed for a bit, you love them so much more than you do in those minutes before bedtime. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, my life hack would be to make time for yourself every day, even if it's just watching a program you like whilst they nap or having a nap while they nap or anything. Um, It does mean that 
a lot of the other things get forgotten, but it's so important Agreed. to have Agreed. a good EU time. Yeah. That's why I exercise. That's yeah, exercise. Get those endorphins. Fundamental to me as a nice person. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Especially if you need a bit of comfort food as well at the end of the day. You did your exercise in the morning, so it's all right. So I have to wait to the end of the day. Mine oh. sort of comes throughout. Oh, I have to wait to the end, otherwise it's constant. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much oh, for you're talking welcome. to me. Sorry, I just I feel like I had like a monologue. No. My mouth is all dry. I, I didn't bet stop it is. talking. No, it's chat, 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 just chat, chat, chat. so precious hearing your story. It's such a beautiful story. Oh, you're welcome. Can people follow you? Yes. So I had a bit of an incident where something freaked me out on Instagram. And then I had one of my weird, vivid dreams that was about... So, I dreamt that B got abducted, which is based on nothing because actually in the dream there were like magical lights and there was a unicorn and we were in the clouds and it was a dream, like definitely a dream, but it totally freaked me out. And the next day I turned my account on private and I've vetted my followers ever since. So I still get a lot of people asking to follow me, but basically if you're a weird man (laughs) with no posts, no kids nothing in relation to me then i'm sorry you're not, not allowed on. to follow me no, but yes yes you can follow me on instagram and how can they find you uh my instagram i never changed it from when i got married so it's half of my maiden name so it's leone ash uh on instagram and you'll see well my profile picture is just me at the moment actually but yeah you'll see me and i'm a brit in dubai and i think it says infertility adoption expat life Adoption rocks. And motherhood. Adoption doesn't rock anymore. Oh, it's gone. No. Uh, no, my favourite hashtag these days tends to be, or the one that I use the most, is love makes a family. Or, yeah, no, that's probably the top one. That's it. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. No. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And there it is. Leonie's beautiful love story of the most gorgeous family. I hope you've enjoyed listening to her journey as much as I have. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, rate and subscribe. And I really hope you'll tune in next week for another amazing story where I have not one, but two gorgeous mummies sharing their journey. Have a great week. Bye.